Welcome to the 12th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition, our topics are a look back at the past week of college basketball and a preview of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Let's jump right in and start with college basketball and a look back at some of last week's most significant games, starting with last Friday, number 7, Michigan beating Purdue 70-53. Michigan puts an end to Purdue's four-game win streak in this game. This would end up being the Wolverines' last game before an eventual COVID-19 shutdown, and they ended their start to the season very well. We'll have to wait and see how they play after their pause, but for now, Purdue's got to move on and figure out a way to win their next game. Yeah, Michigan was on a roll. A lot of people have them predicted as the number one seed in the NCAA bracket, and uh, campus-wide shutdown, athletic department-wide shutdown first, and then a campus-wide shutdown, nothing on the team led to this pause. We'll see what happens, as you said, and move to Saturday's action. Uh, number two ranked Baylor beat Oklahoma State 81-66. Oklahoma upset number nine, Kansas 75-68. Number 19, Missouri upset number six, Tennessee 73-64. Number 13, Virginia beat Georgia Tech 64-62. Another top 15, top 16 team went down as Syracuse upset number 16, Virginia Tech 78-60. And two more upsets, this time out of the Pac-12, Oregon State upsetting number 21, Oregon, 75-64. And Stanford upsetting number 23, UCLA, 73-72 in overtime and a brutal loss for the Bruins. Patrick, your thoughts on some of these games from last Saturday? Baylor ran into some real trouble against Oklahoma State, even though the Cowboys did not have Cade Cunningham, their best player, and number one overall draft prospect available. This game was close almost throughout all of it, and Oklahoma State even had a four-point lead at the half. But Baylor ended up pulling a big run in the middle of the second half to take control of the game. Uh, moving on to the other Big Te- Big 12 game, Oklahoma beating Kansas was a very surprising result in my eyes. I know the I know that can I in going into that game I thought Oklahoma was a very good team. They had been along my 8 to 9 seed line in my bracketology for pretty much the entirety of the season, but I did not think they were good enough to beat a team like Kansas especially coming off of two losses. I thought they'd be especially hungry and win that game. On the other side, Kansas is Kansas ended up, as I said, at, after the end of that game, on a three-game losing streak, something very unprecedented for them under Bill Self. Uh, Missouri lost to Tennessee earlier in the year. Now Missouri got their revenge. This was a really, really sloppy game by both teams, but credit still goes to Missouri for getting the win. Uh, Virginia had to go on a 26-13 run at the end of the game to win. Georgia Tech played Virginia tough all the way down to the last whistle, but just did not have enough juice to get out a win. Syracuse won their game against Virginia Tech by virtue of incredible defense, holding the Hokies to, as we said, just 60 points. Syracuse is definitely on the bubble as of now, and they will need to pick up quality wins like this one to play themselves into the NCAA tournament. And now moving on to the Pac-12 action, Oregon State upset a very shorthanded Oregon team down both LJ Figueroa and Chris Duarte, a duo that averages almost 30 points a game combined this season for the Ducks. So Oregon State still gets that win, though. Stanford pulls out a victory over UCLA in overtime with Oscar Da Silva hitting a buzzer beater to clutch out the victory. This win for Stanford could go a long way to their tournament hopes, too. All right, and let's uh, one game on Sunday we want to talk about. Rutgers beat Indiana, close one, 74-70. Rutgers was on a five-game losing streak heading into this matchup with Indiana. They were able to squeeze out the victory in another win by a fringe tournament team that could also go a long way toward deciding how they are at the end of the year. Let's turn to Monday's action, where number 8 Virginia hammered Syracuse 81-58. 
and a battle of closely ranked teams. Number 11, West Virginia, beat number 10, Texas Tech, in a very close game, 88-87. Syracuse carried some momentum into this game from their big win over Virginia Tech, but it was not quite enough to get them over to get them another big win. Jay Huff and Virginia are just too good to be beaten if you can only muster up 58 points, though credit to Virginia. They are one of the top defenses, again, in Division One. so... It's not exactly a fault of Syracuse's offense, but the strength of Virginia Tech's or of Virginia, sorry, is defense. Uh, West Virginia, on the other hand, led for most of the first half until Texas Tech went on an 8-0 run to tie the game at 39, and almost a mirror image of the first half. The opposite happened. Texas Tech led for most of the second half, and they were even up by 12 points with less than eight minutes left, and also up by 12 with uh, 12 minutes left. But West Virginia closed out the game on a 27-14 run and won after Mac McClung missed a potential game winner after Miles McBride hit the game winner. Yeah, that was a very entertaining game for those of you who were able to watch it. Uh, let's turn to Tuesday's action where number 24, Oklahoma upset Texas 80-79. Number 9, Alabama beat Kentucky 70-59. Auburn upset number 12, Missouri 88-82. And Dayton upset number 22, St. Louis, 76-71. Texas was playing without two starters, Courtney Ramey and Jericho Sims. Their sixth man, Brock Cunningham, and without their head coach, Shaka Smart. Not to mention that during the game, three Texas players fouled out, including Matt Coleman and other starters, so they were down to just five scholarship players on the final play. So Texas deserves some credit for just keeping this game close against a good, a very good Oklahoma team. But Oklahoma deserves the lion's share of the credit, obviously, because they actually won the game. So, I mean, of course credit goes to them. But good job, Oklahoma. Two wins over presumably the number two and number three team in the Big 12. Maybe they're sliding up in the standings themselves and could even take over that number two spot. On the other hand, Kentucky continues their downwards trend while Alabama continues its upwards trend. I bought lots of stock in Alabama last week claiming they would win the SEC, and I think this win will go a long way to cementing that possibility. Auburn, on the other hand, the other team in Alabama, Alabama's arch-rival, has looked a lot better offensively since five-star freshman and top-20 recruit Sharif Cooper was finally able to play. In his six games, he is averaging 22.3 points per game. Missouri loses this one in very tight yet disappointing fashion. This team is supposed to be anchored by their stellar defense, so allowing 88 points to an unranked team is not necessarily a great look. Dayton has been a decent team in the A-10 all year this year and they've remained near the top of the conference standings even after the exit of their lottery pick and wooden award winner Obi Toppin. St. Louis is the only ranked team currently in the A-10, but after not playing since December 23rd over a month due to COVID-19 issues, they did not look great in this game, albeit it was against a good opponent, and obviously they had to shake the rust off. All right, let's move to Wednesday's action. A whole handful of games here. Number two, Baylor beat Kansas State 107-59. They didn't just beat them, they ruined them. Uh, number 13, Ohio State beat Penn State in a close game, 83-79. Number 14, Wisconsin beat Maryland, 61-55. Number 16, Florida State demolished Miami, 81-59. Number 17, Creighton beat Seton Hall, close one, 85-81. In another close game, Clemson upset number 25, Louisville, 54-50. And unbeaten Drake beat Missouri State, 78-73. Baylor and Drake remain undefeated after their wins on Wednesday, obviously just pointing out that Drake game, not because it was a major, major game, but 
any game that Drake plays, they're definitely have a huge target on their back. And same thing as Baylor, although I will say that Baylor is probably a little farther ahead in talent than most of their opponents are. So Drake might be a little evenly matched with a few teams than Baylor is. But um, anyway, Ohio State was barely able to hold off Penn State. Penn State even had a great play drawn up to make a three to win the game. The Seth Lundy just failed to knock it down. They just missed the shot. I mean, overall, this was a very well-played game by Penn State, and Ohio State is still able to pull out the victory, which is very important in the Big Ten to win these games against the lower-ranked teams. Wisconsin gets revenge for an early-season loss to Maryland. Neither of these teams played good offense in this game, obviously both scoring under 62 points, but Wisconsin was still able to get the win. And speaking of those last two teams, you have two teams in the top 15 playing unranked teams with barely winning records overall and losing records in the conference. And it's still that close because that is how good the Big Ten is. You really cannot get an easy win in this conference. I mean, even Michigan, who's number four in the country, only beat Penn State by four points earlier this year. There are so many good teams in the Big Ten, and it is very hard to squeak out any win against anybody. Moving on to the AC to the ACC, man, Florida State is on a roll right now. They've won five straight games since returning from a pause on all activities due to COVID-19. And they're really looking like a contender to possibly beat Virginia and win the ACC. I mean, Florida State has kind of snuck out of the snuck out of the woods in a few years where everybody was assuming, oh yeah, Duke and North Carolina and Virginia, nobody's going to beat them. I mean, Florida State were, I think they were actually, I think they are claiming the ACC title from last year because they were the number one seed heading into the tournament before the ACC tournament got canceled. So they're claiming an, an ACC title for that, but hey, they won the regular season. Congrats to them. And the year before that, they even made it all the way to the finals, beating North Carolina and Virginia to go up against Duke, where they eventually lost to Zion Williamson. But I mean, who can blame them for that one? Um, but Florida State is really just every year kind of sneaking into the picture in the last minute, and they look like they're going to do the same thing again and maybe challenge this year Virginia, especially with the weaker with weaker teams on Duke and North Carolina. Moving on to the Big East, Creighton has been playing everybody close, and this game was no different. They were not so lucky in some of their past games and lost some of them, but they were still able to win this game, and that's what's important. Uh, back to the ACC, actually. Clemson finally turns the ship in the right direction, but their offense has still not exactly been very impressive. When you're able to beat a ranked team all only scoring 54 points, you're, you got to take it, but it's not a formula for long-term success for the Tigers. All right, let's take a look at Thursday's action. Four games with significant teams. A number one Gonzaga beat San Diego 90-62. Rutgers utterly destroyed Michigan State 67-37. That is the correct score, 67-37. Uh, Winthrop snuck by UNC Asheville 84-80. And Belmont snuck past Austin Pay 81-76. Patrick will let us know why those last two games uh, are, are of note. Gonzaga and Winthrop stay undefeated on Thursday. Rutgers absolutely destroyed Michigan State in the Spartans' first game back from a COVID-19 pause. Michigan State had 21 turnovers compared to only 16 made shots, and they really just looked awful. But the crazy thing is, this is actually not the first time that they've looked this bad in a game this year. I recall them playing against Minnesota and making Minnesota look like they were, I don't know, the Los Angeles Lakers playing against the playing against the Charlotte Hornets or something. They just looked awful. They, I think they scored 18 points in the first half and shot almost maybe barely more than 25% from the field overall. 
Just they've played a few really, really bad games. I mean, they choked a game against Purdue where they were up by 15 at the half and then scored 15 points in the second half. Michigan State is not, this is not, these are not anomalies anymore. This is what this team is. This team is not a productive offensive team until they turn something around, figure out something in their lineup. Um, And Rutgers finally, as we said, they beat Indiana to stop their skid, and now maybe they're starting to turn the corner a lot after two wins in a row. And amid all the talk of undefeated teams, no one has mentioned the 17-1 Belmont Bruins, so I just wanted to highlight that score to remind everyone that Belmont has a very good team once again, and they're surely a team to look at as a possible threat to upset a good team in the first round of the tournament if they make it, and in fact, I do remember two years ago in the last NCAA tournament, I had them beating Maryland in the first round, didn't turn out well for me, but hey, Belmont got a player in the NBA out of that year, Dylan Windler playing for the Cavs. But Belmont is a really good program, and I think they might actually end up as the best team outside of the power conferences with the best record. They might end up 32-1 and this season before the NCAA tournament. Who knows? All right. Well, Patrick, you're going back to the Big Ten. I have to talk about my favorite team, Michigan State. Not only is it a tough conference, but um, and maybe they've had a lot of COVID struggles, but to your point, a tough conference, hard to get big wins over everybody. Michigan State is dead last in conference play in Two-point shooting percentage, steals allowed, turnover percentage, and offensive efficiency. So it's just the team's in bad shape, and some people thought the layoff from the COVID would help them get it together, and it just doesn't seem to be the case. So uh, enough about the Spartans and, and about Big Ten play. Let's turn our attention to your player of the week for the last week in college football. It college is going, basketball, excuse me. It is going to be Miles McBride from West Virginia. He averaged 21 points, 5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, and 2.5 and steals. And as I mentioned earlier, which is the most important reason, I normally go with players who hit game winners, and Miles McBride made the game-winning shot against number 10 Texas Tech with six seconds left in the game. He's also the most clutch player of the week in my eyes, so good for for Miles, who was actually a former top football recruit to Ohio State and Alabama. Very talented kid, we can tell. (laughs) All right, well, sticking with college basketball for our next segment, let's take a look at the Big 12 SEC Challenge. The Big 12 SEC Challenge features nine games on Saturday between the two conferences because the headline matchup, at least when the schedule was released, number five Kentucky, sorry, number five Texas at Kentucky was canceled due to COVID. So let's quickly run down the matchups. Number nine Alabama is at number 24 Oklahoma. Texas A&M is at Kansas State. Number 10 Texas Tech is at LSU. Florida is at number 11 West Virginia. TCU is at number 12 Missouri. Auburn is at number two, Baylor. Arkansas is at Oklahoma State. Number 15, Kansas, plays at number 18, Tennessee, in the second of the two ranked matchups. And Iowa State is at Mississippi State. Patrick, uh, give me some games to look out for out of these nine matchups. Uh, If I had to pick a top three of games to look out for, I would pick Alabama at Oklahoma, the very first game of the day at 9 a.m. Then I would pick... I honestly think Florida at West Virginia might be one of the more exciting games of the day. Florida is kind of rounding into form. They came into the season, I think, ranked in the top five. And after losing their after losing preseason SEC Player of the Year, Keontae Johnson, due to some heart issues after he collapsed on the court, sad story, but moving on from that, I, I think they've, they've struggled initially, but I think now that they've kind of dealt with their injury issues. They are kind of figuring out who they are as a team. And West Virginia, obviously a very, very talented team, but I think Florida's a worthy opponent for them. And then the third one's got to be Kansas at Tennessee. These two were 
before the season, the number two and probably actually the number two in Tennessee's case too, preseason picks. Maybe some people had Tennessee overtaking Kentucky for the SEC, but I don't. I think a lot of people before every season just automatically default to picking Kentucky to win the conference. But those would be the three games I'd be looking out for. Obviously, the two ranked games and then that that Florida-West Virginia game. Yeah, uh, interestingly, that Alabama-Oklahoma game is one of two matchups featuring uh, ranked teams uh, right now between the conferences, yet both those teams were unranked headed into the season. So a little bit of surprise there. As we mentioned, the uh, marquee matchup probably when this was announced was Texas at Kentucky, which would have lost a little bit of luster, but we won't know. Uh, Maybe it saves Kentucky another loss. Uh, with that being said, Patrick, uh, let's get your predictions for the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I have the SEC winning five of the games and the Big 12 only winning four. Actually, last year this was 5-5, five to five, and I'm here to say that if Texas and Kentucky played, I would be predicting them to tie the challenge again because I would have Texas in that one. That would make it 5-5. Five to five. But overall, I have Alabama winning. I have Texas A&M winning. I have Texas Tech winning. I have West Virginia winning, I have Missouri, I have Baylor, I have Oklahoma State, I have Tennessee, and I have Mississippi State. The key games that are going to swing the challenge are those two ranked games that we just talked about. If the Big 12 sweeps them, they will easily win the challenge due to their better depth overall, except for Iowa State and Kansas State, who are some honestly really awful teams, but... Other than those two, if you if the SEC is able to uh, sweep those two games, then they will most likely win. But the Big 12 has some mismatches with two with Texas Tech and West Virginia both playing unranked teams. Granted, LSU and Florida are good teams, but they're not they're not exactly up to the level of Texas Tech and West Virginia. But there's a real possibility that either of these conferences could win almost all of the games just based off of how close these teams really are and maybe a few upsets that could happen. i got to disagree with you. I don't think it's even close. I think the Big 12 wins six, maybe seven of these games. But I'll stick with, I'll be conservative and say six and three. The SEC um, at least was smart. They they correctly picked four out of the, their worst five teams not to play in the challenge. Ole Miss and Georgia are playing each other. South Carolina and Vandy are playing each other. So a lot of the bottom dwellers from the SEC aren't playing. But I still think that, the Big 12 is way too strong, even though they obviously have their weakest teams playing because they, they have less teams in the conference. The SEC has three ranked teams. The highest team is ranked number nine. The Big 12 has six ranked teams. Their top ranked team is number two in the country. They have three of the top 10 teams and five in the top 15, and Oklahoma State's no pushover. So I think this is just completely lopsided, um, but we'll, we'll see who's right. I don't know what you want to say in response to me, but I don't think it's close. I think that the that the Big 12 drew some unfortunate matchups because, as you said, they have six ranked teams, but Baylor's playing Auburn, which I think you could throw half the Big 12 against and they would win the game. I think that's a wasted matchup, frankly. I think if you put Baylor against Alabama, then well, obviously... That's a stupid matchup, and I don't this even know is, why going into the season they thought that Auburn-Baylor would be a fair matchup. I mean... Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I don't know why they didn't put Baylor-Kentucky. Yes. I honestly, when I heard about the challenge, I was like, oh, I wonder if Baylor, if they're going to have Baylor play Kentucky. I mean, it's very odd. I don't know why they, why they decided that. I don't know even why they decided to put... I mean, I guess Kansas-Tennessee and Texas-Kentucky make sense to me, but I guess... I don't. I don't agree with having Auburn as a top three team in the SEC. I think actually Florida would be before the season even, and and now even they would still be 
a higher ranked team. Alabama has kind of come out of nowhere, so I, I get why they didn't have that matchup, but at the same time, I think that there are a lot of the ranked teams in the Big 12 are, as I said, okay, fine, Baylor's going to beat Auburn, but so would half the conference. I don't think that, I don't think that, um, I think Oklahoma State beats Arkansas, but I see the two ranked teams in the SEC as the better teams in their matchup. So that's the real reason why I have them. Let's wrap up here with, uh, Patrick, your overall thoughts on each of these conferences. I think that the challenge winner is probably not going to be indicative of how these teams end up in the tournament. I think that even though I have five SEC teams winning, there's a real likelihood that not even all the five teams I have winning make the tournament. It's definitely, I mean, I would definitely say Mississippi State has no chance, and I would definitely say that uh, that uh, that A&M also has no chance. So, I mean, it's not like these are indicative of how these conferences are overall. I know you mentioned that this, the six ranked teams that are in the Big 12... To me, it's about the individual matchups, not about the overall strength of the conference. Yeah, they're more battle-tested, but I still think the SEC has been good enough this year that they're that they're prepared for these big games. And I just think that overall, while the SEC might win five of these games, all of these teams from the Big Twelve might end up in the most. Of the, a few of the losing teams might end up in the tournament. A few of the winning teams might end up. Uh, all of the winning teams, sorry, will end up. In the tournament, maybe unless Oklahoma State gets their eligibility stripped away uh, due to that ongoing investigation there. But I think overall the SEC has been a really weak conference compared to what we thought they would be heading into the season. We thought they would be up there with the Big 12 and the Big 10 as one of the stronger conferences. But with Kentucky kind of slumping down, it's not it, it doesn't it doesn't end up like that. Normally the SEC works with... Kentucky running the table and kind of being this big giant that you have to take down. And then maybe a Tennessee being ranked behind them and like an Auburn or an Alabama being ranked a little bit lower. But normally they have three to four teams ranked. This year they only have three. And really, Kentucky being weak has kind of ruined this conference this year. I mean, as I've said before, I have a lot of confidence in Alabama as a team. But I don't think they're necessarily a national title contender currently. I think they'd have to. I think they have to show me that they can, because they're really not playing this uh, an amazing gargantuan schedule. They'd have to show me that they're going to keep beating these teams. I mean, Baylor and Gonzaga are destroying everybody they play, so it's not entirely inconceivable that Alabama could keep up the ten game win streak that they have going. But the three early season losses to the quality teams that they played outside of the conference, kind of have me holding holding back on them, on putting them in the title contender group. Whereas you could put three teams or maybe even four or five in the Big 12 that could win it all. I think even Oklahoma deserves a look at it. Uh, Texas for sure, Baylor for sure, Kansas for sure because they're Kansas, West Virginia for sure. Texas Tech was in the, was in actually the last national championship game that took place two years ago. So you can't count out any of these Big 12 teams. I don't think that even if they lose on Saturday, it's going to change anything when it comes to the later of the season. There there will probably be three or four teams from the Big 12 in the Sweet 16 too. Well, certainly a chance, I guess, for the SEC to uh, improve its its national perception and thereby help uh, its team's chances of making the NCAA tournament. We'll see how those matchups turn out. Uh, but that wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, February 1st, where we will review the latest NBA action and take a look back and check the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions. 
uh, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. You can find additional content there, submit any questions or comments you may have uh, on the website, and uh, additional content including Patrick's NCAA tournament bracket predictions. Again, that's on our website, 4thand24.com, the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.